Hey, good morning. How's everyone doing this morning? Good stuff. Hey, thanks for coming out. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name's Gary. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, thanks for coming out and spending some of your Sunday morning. It's not quite chilly yet, but it's coming by the sounds of it. So, and I know there's people in here that are heading to Mexico this week, and well, I'll pray for you. Hey, last week, we kicked off a new year with a new series called Searching For. Uh, Because at some point in our lives, we find ourselves in situations, whether it's looking at our life as a whole, or we're listening to conversations around us, things on the news, and we begin to ask questions. And we begin to search for answers to those questions. Uh, Sometimes, depending on what's going on in our life, we might start searching for hope. When things just seem hopeless. You've tried everything and it just like no answers. And so you start searching for hope. Sometimes we search for uh, things like peace. You know, when life is just chaotic and totally unpredictable, you don't know what's coming next and it's just a loud noise and you just want peace. Sometimes in life we find ourselves in a situation where we just want to feel like we belong and so we search for a place to fit in. And then there's those times where we just feel like we don't really matter. And so we begin to search for this thing called significance. And it's something that I have searched for a few times uh, on my time on this rock. Uh, for years, I worked as a commercial fisherman before coming on full-time staff here, and which meant I got to visit some fairly remote areas on the coast between here and the border of Alaska. And it came with its inconveniences, for sure. Uh, For instance, uh, a lot of times when we were just holed up in a bay somewhere, there was no convenience store just down the street to go grab a snack. There was no coffee shop to go hang out and have a coffee, no, no restaurants. But it did have one bonus, one perk, and it was the view of the sky on a clearless, clear night. It was absolutely incredible because there was no light pollution. Far away from the cities, and I would look up and there'd be so many stars that it actually looked cloudy. Kind of looked like this, shot like this. I would go outside on the back deck and I would just kind of stand there and stare at this expanse And be absolutely awestruck. It was so incredible. All the stars and the the planets. And maybe you've had a similar experience. You know, you've gone camping. You're laying there in your sleeping bag at night. Or you're out hiking somewhere. Somewhere there, you're away from the lights of the city. And you look up at that expanse. And just you're just like, wow, that is incredible. Now, I don't know about you. But here's what happens to me when, when I find myself looking up at the night sky. It's kind of staring into space. I begin to get a shrinking feeling. Kind of like in that video that we saw. I begin to feel really, really, really small and insignificant. You ever had that feeling? No? Well, I'm going to help you out with that. Uh, back in 1978, <clears throat> NASA launched Voyager 1. An unmanned spacecraft armed with or equipped with cameras and sensors. And the whole goal of this was to learn more about not just our planet, but our solar system, our galaxy even. And so they sent this Voyager off on its, on its journey. 
And on February 14th, 1990, after traveling, get this, for 12 years at 40,000 miles an hour, that's covering a lot of ground, Voyager reached the outer edge of our solar system. NASA wasn't sure what was going to happen next. And they thought, you know what? It would be neat to turn Voyager around and take a snapshot of our solar system from a distance of 6 billion kilometers away, give or take 100,000 or so. And so that's what they did. Voyager swung around and started taking pictures. And scientists and astronomers around the world were absolutely blown away by the images that were coming back. Uh, And one really got them fired up, and it was this one. Doesn't look all that exciting, does it? I got to admit. Kind of looks like a rainbow, which technically it is, because what you're seeing there is a sunbeam reflected off one of the solar panels of the Voyager 1 spacecraft. But it was what was inside that rainbow that got scientists and astronomers all fired up and all giddy. And so here's a picture that'll help you see what they saw. A little white dot. Again, not all that exciting, really. (laughs) But after doing some number crunching and calculations and all the things that scientists do, they determined that that tiny dot was us. It was Earth. Starting to feel small yet? You know, from a cosmic perspective, it's understandable to see how you and I can begin to feel rather insignificant in the scheme of things. But here's a question. Is that true? In the vastness of space, in the vastness size of this planet... Is my life, is your life insignificant, inconsequential? I mean, do we even matter? Because, and often we don't, because we, we just, in the scope of things, we just feel so small. And so we begin searching for significance because we all want to feel like we matter. And the question becomes, where are you looking Where are you searching to find your significance? Because where you look to see if you matter, matters. Are you looking to the approval of your friends, your family, co-workers to find your significance? How about culture? You look into culture to get your significance? It seems to make sense that a lot of people do uh, because it seems, according to culture... And the the messages it sends to us that our position on the corporate ladder, the size of our house, the neighborhood we live in, the type of car we drive, the clothes we wear, the schools and universities that we attend, all seem to determine our place in the scheme of things. They determine our significance, our importance. I came across a book, interestingly called The Search for Significance, And in this book, the author, a guy by the name of Robert McGee, explores this universal principle, he actually refers to it as a lie, that triggers our search for significance. And in his book, he goes on to say this. Listen to this. He says, The search for significance doesn't end with what culture says we're worth or in the opinions or approval of others. 
The search for significance ends with what God says about us. What does God say about us? You know, this God, the creator of you and me and everything we see, the God who knows our every thought, our dreams, our fears, our worries, our concerns, our aspirations. What does he have to say about you and me? Well, I think Earth, Wind, and Fire, uh, a rock band from the 70s, summed it up beautifully in a, one of their hit songs uh, in the lyrics. And here's, here's what they sang. It says, you're a shining star no matter who you are. You're a shining star no matter who you are. Thing is, if we're honest, you and I oftentimes, we don't really believe that to be true. Because the voice of culture is often louder than God's voice. And it is constantly screaming at us that in order to matter, to be important, to have significance, it is all tied up in our accomplishments. What we do. And we hear this lie whispered to us from a very young age. And so naturally, we just grow up believing it. Believing that in order to to matter, to be significant, important enough, we have to be bigger, faster, leaner, smarter, flashier than everyone else. This lie, it goes way back to the beginning, to the creation story. Maybe you're familiar with the story of creation, the first story that shows up in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, where after God created everything else, the universe, the galaxies, the stars, the planets, the fish, the ocean, the trees, the mountains, you, me, after he created the first man and woman, Adam and Eve, Satan comes along and he tempts them at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he basically says to them, hey, if you eat the fruit from that tree, you're going you're gonna to matter. You're going to be important. You're going to be significant. Because you're going to be just like God. It's the first lie, the first twisting of God's heart of love for us into a self-serving lie that tugs on your desire and mine to have more, to be more. Which, interestingly enough, cast the assumption that it is not okay to be who you were created, or as you were created. And so what happens is our significance just gets wrapped up in all this stuff. And we begin hoping for something to happen. Like getting discovered by a modeling agency, or a a record label, or some Fortune 500 company. Something that is going to launch us and make us important. Which seems to explain why shows like American Idol and The Voice and others like it are so popular, doesn't it? Because they provide the opportunity for people to get noticed. And often what happens is we watch these shows, and quite naturally, there's nothing wrong with it, but what we do is we begin to imagine that Oh, how my life would change if that was me up there. And I won that recording contract or that model, modeling contract. And we believe, we begin to believe that false assumption that, man, if we just get that, then, 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 oh, then I'll matter. Then I'll be significant. And we begin searching for it. 
Well, I want to try something here with you guys this morning. But I need your help, okay? Now, you don't have to say anything. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to do anything except answer a couple of questions in your head, okay? I'm going to ask a few questions. Don't bother pulling your phones out because you're not going to be fast enough, okay? So don't try and like, oh, I'm going to Google this. Google if you want, but we'll be done. Okay, so here you go. You ready? You guys want to do this? Can you name the 2019 Oscar winner for Best Actor or Actress? How about... The MVP of the 2018 Super Bowl. How about last year's MVP of the NHL? The winner of the last voice? The American Idol? How did you do? I did pretty crappy too. And here's the thing. I made up the questions. (laughs) These people are not second-rate achievers. They are the best in their field. And if I was a betting man, I would wager that there were people, people like you and people like me, who, as they watch them, imagine, oh, man, I wish that was me, coming off the bench and winning the Super Bowl. It was Nick Foles, by the way, 2018 Super Bowl. It was Nikita Kucherov, was NHL. And the Oscar winners were Rami Malek and some lady I've never even heard of, Olivia Coleman. Just so you know. Uh, but they're not second-rate achievers. And yet, one year removed, who was that again? It doesn't take long for us to forget. And yet, we are still convinced and buy into the lie that true lasting significance comes from the things we do achieve or accomplish. So I want to just throw something out there for you to consider this morning. Think about, roll it around, talk about it. What if, what if, regardless of what you do or don't do, what you accomplish or don't accomplish, what you achieve or don't achieve, you are significant. Just the way you are. What if your true significance, your real value is found not in what you acquire, achieve, or accomplish, but in something else? I'm going to read a story that Jesus told. A story is found in the New Testament, in the third book, a book called Luke. And Jesus is talking with a crowd of people. Much like us, men, women, moms, dads, teens, young adults. And he says to them, this is what he says. He says, suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbor together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. To which they were probably all nodding their heads. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I, I've heard people tell that story. I've heard it hundreds of times. And I've, I've heard it explained that the lady, the reason she was so desperate to find that coin is because she was very, very poor. And that could very well be. But I think it goes so much deeper than that. I, I find it interesting that Jesus specifies a couple of things. The first one is that it's a silver coin. And the coin he's referring to is, was called a drachma. And a drachma, although it wasn't the smallest unit of currency at the time, it was pretty small. Okay? 
Uh, It's hard to say exactly and pin a value on it. I did a bunch of researching and reading on it, and it was all over the map. Uh, Most biblical scholars say that at the time, a drachma was worth about 19 cents in today's currency. So two dimes. Uh, Other scholars said, no, it was more like a day's wages, but if you take into all the accounts what they worked for back then, it only added up to like 50 cents. So at the end of the day, it's not worth a whole lot. The point is, it raises the question, why then was it so important for this woman to find this coin? And why did Jesus mention 10 coins? Because you think, where my head goes is, well, I got nine left, so if I don't find the other one, big deal. Well, in, ancient Jew- in the ancient Jewish world, it was common for peasants as a seal of the marriage covenant for the groom to give the bride a chain or a necklace consisting of 10 silver coins, drachma. Sort of like a poor man's wedding ring. Which explains why this woman is so frantic to find it. Because the value, the significance of this coin goes far beyond its economic value. The value this coin has to do what the coin means to her personally. What it represents. And if you've ever lost a ring, an earring, engagement ring, wedding ring, family heirloom, you have a pretty good idea of how this woman is feeling. i got to find that thing. You rip sinks apart or wherever you think you lost it. This coin is worth so much more than its face value. This coin represents her marriage to her husband. It represents their pledge to one another. This coin represents all her hopes, all her dreams, all her aspirations. This coin is one of a kind. Because you can't just replace it with another coin. This coin is priceless. And that's why she frantically turns her house upside down and celebrated like crazy when she found it. And so could it be, could it be that Jesus, through this story, is painting a picture, and a beautiful one at that, of our value and significance to him? I can't help but agree with the scholars who point to this as one of the layers of the meaning in Jesus' story. That Jesus is revealing to us just how valuable we are to him. How much significance we have. And how it's not based on the opinions or the approval of others. It's not based on what culture says we should be doing or not doing, achieving or not achieving. Your significance, my significance goes so far beyond that. We have such an immense value to God that it surpasses anything we could begin to even imagine or comprehend. You and me, all of us, are worth God turning the universe upside down in order to find us. You are worth God himself becoming a human being. And then being willing to die a hellish death on a cross in order to get you back. The meaning, the value, the significance you have to God 
is based on one thing. One thing only. God's love for you. And the fact that he dreamt you up, thought you into existence, you were his idea. And he did it for one reason. And the reason is this. So he could love you. I love these words from a guy named Paul. We talk about him a lot around here. uh, Wrote almost half of what is now in the New Testament. But for most of his life, he tried to solidify and find his significance in living the perfect life. Dotting all the I's, crossing all the T's, following all the laws, doing everything just right. But get this. At the end, he said, it's all crap. Here's how he put it. I'm not just throwing words in his mouth. This is what he said. Everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. He kind of flips the tables here. He's thinking, I thought all that thing was, all that stuff was bringing me significance. No, that stuff is insignificant. And then he says this, it's dog dung. Donkey crap. Cow pies, however you want to frame it. And it was from that understanding that Paul wrote these words. He's, listen to this. Mind-blowing words. Long before God laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind. Had settled on us as the focus of his love. Just think about that for a second. God had you and me in mind before this universe, this galaxy, the solar system, this planet even existed. Our value, our worth, our significance is based on who God says we are. Regardless of what culture says or people say, we are a shining star no matter who you are. No matter what you've done or not done. No matter what's been done to you. And the truth is, we already have significance because real significance is given to us. Our value and significance is given to us by God himself. And because of that, we can't buy it. We can't earn it. We can't barter for it. We can't add to it. We can't improve it. We can't detract from it. And you just put those mind-blowing emojis everywhere. (sighs) Yeah, I don't know where you are with all of this this morning. Maybe you wandered in here and you're thinking, the way my life's going right now, I just doubt God even knows I'm here. That I don't really matter in the scheme of things. If that describes you, I want to know that you come to the right place. Because there is hope. And you are significant. And my hope is that when you leave here today, in just a few minutes, that even if just a little bit, the curtain has been pulled back for you. So you can begin to get a glimpse of how valuable you are to God. And that you'd be open to His, his love and His forgiveness. And believing that you 
are significant. Really glad you're here with us. I invite you to pray with me. God, sometimes, uh, you know, in the scheme of things, it can be really easy to think that we don't matter, uh, that you don't see us, that you don't care about us. Um, And so we begin to look to different things, to people, to things, to achievements, to garner our significance, to say, hey, I matter. But at the end of the day, as as we heard from, from Paul, all that stuff is so insignificant in the scheme of things. We're significant because you say we are. And so I just pray for all of us. I pray for myself that when I get caught up in the, that I don't matter, things, things aren't going my way and this world is just passing me by, that I would just be reminded that you had me in mind before this place existed. That is such a beautiful truth. And I would just pray that we all hang on to that. Thank you for loving us and we pray this in your name. Amen.